Welcome to Philanthropy Today. Our goal is to inspire giving by educating listeners on ways to give and how to connect with charitable causes. My name is Dave Lewis. I'm your host of Philanthropy Today. Thank you for joining the show. We are continuing with our series here on Philanthropy Today from a video perspective. And uh, today we have uh, a continuation in our efforts to talk about uh, some of the origination of the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation. And uh, Vern, we've been talking with some of the founders. We've been talking with, uh, you know, in the future, we're going to be talking with uh, some of the past presidents. And, you know, when it comes to the founding of the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation, this is a dude here that was right at the very forefront of that. Indeed, and uh, we're very pleased to have Jim Gordon with us today. Uh, uh, Jim was part of the three that uh, started this whole discussion of a community foundation. And uh, as part of that, he was the lucky one to get to serve as the board chair for a few years. And uh, and they finally gave it up to uh, to the second person in line. But uh, Jim, we're glad to have you here today. and and uh, be a part of this podcast series where we're reliving the history of the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation. I'm really pleased to be here, and I can't tell you how proud I am of the Community Foundation and everything it's done, and everything Manhattan's done to get us to where we are today, and, and just the entire area, the, the Greater Manhattan Community and our affiliates have, have really stepped up over the years to, to an unbelievable extent, and it's just a, a proud day to, to think back on that heritage that we've established. Indeed. So, Jim, what was it like that very first meeting, you and Mark Kanakadoffel and, and Jim Morrison? How did that originate? I had a call from Mark Kanakadoffel. We talked about things a little bit, and Jim Morrison was, was very active in different charities. And we set up lunch down at Harry's, just sat around and said, you know, it's, it's not ideal to have our Manhattan donors sending money other places. Uh, Mark Kanakanoffel was the one that really sent a couple of big checks to New York City from people that he worked with in Manhattan uh, to charities back there. And he said, we need something here that will do that same thing. And so he was probably the one that was pushing the hardest for it. Uh, Jim and I both saw the advantages. I remember uh, going to Rotary back uh, right after we founded this. I think it was in, in 2009. And I, I promised them that we weren't going to be like all the other charities coming knocking on their door, uh, wanting to, uh, contributions, that we were a different type of charity. Never really knew if they believed me then, but uh, after 25 years, I think they do believe us that we're, we're really a service organization. We're not a traditional charitable organization right. that is out fundraising. That we're here to serve the donors and the charities themselves and not trying to raise money ourselves from that standpoint. Yeah, indeed, it's uh, it's been a great process. I know when I first came here in 2013, the uh, the idea was, well, we're going to start fundraising. I said, no, you know, we we raise money for the other nonprofits, uh, uh, and it's a reactive process, you know. And so it's been great to serve the nonprofits, and great to see what you got started uh, come to fruition. So, well, it was just a small part of it. We uh, we actually. Uh, for ourselves, we only really raised one money one time for the Founders Fund. Yep. Uh, when the Kansas Health Foundation came in with this opportunity for a matching grant to establish a Founders Fund, it was, a, it was an opportunity we couldn't pass up, but they wanted uh, it to be matching money. We had to raise $300,000 to get their $300,000. 
Uh, we did it a month early so that we could qualify for a $10,000 bonus. Mm -hmm. And so that was the, the first Founders Fund, and that Founders Fund money is still there. Indeed, the $300,000 is there. That's, uh, that's, we've, we've got pretty good interest on that money. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, But that's the only administrative money we've ever really raised, and we kept our our costs extremely low. I don't think you'll find a community foundation any place in the country that has an administrative fees at the level that we do. And that's not because we are being not taking care of, of our customers. It's just that we aren't out there spending money to do things that other charities do for fundraising and things like that. We're really trying to be the back of the house. Uh, for these charities and really make the community foundation something that serves both the charities and the and the people around the community. And I really appreciate that uh, vision at the very beginning because uh, fees can be like taxes and philanthropists like their money to go to charitable causes as much as possible. So uh, uh, so it's been a, a certainly a, an alignment with me as well. And so I uh, We've even lowered fees a couple times Absolutely. since I've been here because of that, and uh, and I think it served us well too. So, you had this discussion with the the two of you. So those next steps, you had this uh, founders group. Mm -hmm. What were some of the goals that were listed out at that time? The uh, Kansas Health Foundation stemmed from selling Wesley Medical Center in Wichita, and they established this health foundation, and they wanted to take on a statewide charitable goal. And their goal was, they looked at Ohio, I believe it was, and the Kellogg Foundation that was founded there. And the Kellogg Foundation had gone through every community in Ohio, every county, and helped each county establish a community foundation. And so they brought that to Kansas, and they said, in order to do this right, you need an office, you need an employee, and you need to have matching money and we'll support you getting the office set up, getting the employee hired, and we'll help you get that founder's fund by having matching money. We weren't planning on growing quite that fast at the time, but it really was a great opportunity to get there. And so our board went together. Sue Mays, uh, who was one of the board chairs that you'll be interviewing, uh, knew of somebody that had grant writing experience. So we brought uh, her on board as our first paid employee. Uh, Lane Dewbetter followed fairly soon after that. And I actually gave the community foundation office space to rent free in our uh, in the lower lobby of Commerce Bank. We weren't using that space at the time. And so that was their first office. And it qualified us for the grant. But that opportunity really jump-started us to a new level because really we hadn't been quite as aggressive out in the community spreading the word as we had been before. So just going out and doing that limited fundraising and spreading the word and really getting the other charitable organizations on board was what took us then to that next new level. When you get to that next new level, mm -hmm. how did you reach out to the nonprofit organizations to say, hey, this mm -hmm. is what we're doing. This is how you benefit. Mm -hmm. We want you on board. It really started out, Jane Brown was one of our first founders and she was looking for a place for something like that. And that group of, uh, of board members there was very well connected into mm -hmm. the rest of the community. And so she was the first one that really started spreading the word to the other charities. That continued on a case by case basis for a while. But really the time that it really took off was when we started the Grow Green Day, which was after the very beginning and getting those charities to understand they needed to have a fund with us in order to participate was what really 
the main thing that took it over to that next step. But we'd been, we'd been growing the number of funds. Uh, if we go back to the very first uh, couple of years, I, I brought the first three years financial statement and we are actually, organizational funds were our largest funds in the second year. Uh, we had over half a million dollars worth of organizational funds on hand. And so of our million uh, two at the end of 2000, over 50% of it was from those organizations. So they've always been a major part of it, uh, but getting them to that next level to where they really recognized the benefits of being affiliated with the Community mm -hmm. Foundation was really important. You know, you started off with that $300,000 Founders Fund, mm -hmm. and now we're over $300 million in assets. Did you and and Jim Morrison and Mark Adakadafel, when you first started talking about that, have any idea that it could become so big and so instrumental in helping nonprofits in this community as it has become? I kept a copy of my very first annual meeting speech in 1999. And uh, I predicted then that in 20 years, we'd have $25 million in, in assets. <laughs> and uh, so 10 years later in 2009, I gave, I was again the chair uh, that year of the board and so I gave another speech and I copied that. And I said, we're going we're gonna to meet that. We're going to be way above 25 million. And then a couple of years ago, I think I said that we were, we were going to be, what did I say, 150 million and we're above that. So uh, it uh, continues to, to beat all expectations, but the credit doesn't go to the community foundation. It goes to the community. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the people of Manhattan, our affiliates, they've all come together in really an unbelievable way because... Uh, we're not doing this to raise money to say the community foundation is, is this large. Mm -hmm. We're doing it because of the charities that and the people that we can serve. And so that's where all the credit goes is back to the incredible community uh, members that we have and the, and the people who believe that we can provide the long-term stewardship for the funds they entrust with us. Well, and I would say uh, some of the significant parts of what Jim and the team did at the early stage was get the professional advisor community in the learning process. They didn't all buy in at the beginning, but uh, obviously Jim's a CPA and so that world and Jim Morrison was an attorney. And so just working with those advisors. So when they were at in discussions with people that had mm -hmm. money to do some stuff with, uh, they were the, the conversation of the community foundation was at the table. And so Jim, those early conversations have been uh, very fruitful as time goes and we've grown uh, in that whole process. So we always had a goal of being uh, not only donor friendly, but professional advisor friendly. Mm -hmm. uh, we weren't about trying to take over somebody else's business. Right. If a client of ours and a client of an investment advisor wanted to work together, we're glad to let that investment advisor continue to manage those funds. And I think that was important that, right. that we didn't uh, try to, to take that away. And that isn't always the case with other community foundations we found in looking around the country. Uh, that Some of them feel like that that's uh, something that they know how to do that better. Well, the, the investment advisors have built a long-term right. relationship with these clients and uh, sharing that trust with us has really paid a lot of dividends. So Jim, is there any one thing in those early meetings or early decisions that stick out to you as probably one of the uh, biggest decisions that you guys made then? I think just the decision to go forward and then something that, that I mentioned early on in, in several of my speeches is that uh, you shouldn't wait 
to start making a difference. Don't wait to set up a fund at the community foundation. You don't need a million dollars to set up a fund right. at our foundation. You can set it up small. We have an acorn fund that you can grow. Uh, we have been so accommodating uh, just because we know people in their hearts really want to help other people. And we want to make that happen. And we don't want to stand in the way of saying, you've got to have $50,000, you've got to have $100,000. Start where you can, make a difference where you can, and we'll, we'll take it from there. Well, we, uh, we appreciate all the time and energy and meetings that you guys went through and, uh, and discussed uh, to get the Community Foundation going. Um, I know going back through minutes, there were a lot of discussions and, uh, and you got the trustee program going and you, know, you started out with the board and you know, now we have nearly 150 trustees, that whole process, and it was certainly a team effort. And, uh, very much appreciate uh, what you started, and uh, I'm uh, very, very thankful for that I get to be a part of it uh, in the later years. So, it, it's been a pleasure. Every every meeting wasn't an easy meeting there, especially at the beginning, but it's been a pleasure to be affiliated with the Community Foundation. It's something I'll always treasure my small role in getting it going. I will say that uh, I'm ready to give you another prediction. Okay. <laughs> well, I've been giving you these predictions along, so I feel like I, I'm required to give you one last prediction here. So this is year 25. This is 25. And year 40 will be a billion dollars. Whoa. Okay. Okay. So you well, got your work cut out for you. We may get that by 35. Uh, well, we'll uh, we'll get it before uh, another uh, 25. Uh, so. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Jim, a great amount of uh, gratitude, but also congratulations. Because, you know, I know that this has been something that is um, uh, very personal for you. It's something that, that you and, you know, and, you know, from a professional perspective, you've been able to bring so much to the table. But uh, congratulations yeah. to you in getting that started. Congratulations. I think that's that's a, such a remarkable legacy. Well, thank you. I would like to thank the first board. Uh, I had, uh, besides myself, Jim Morrison was the vice president. Uh, Dirk was the secretary treasurer, Dirk Daveline. Uh, Mary Veneer uh, was assistant uh, secretary and the marketing committee chair. Uh, Sue Mays was the grants committee chair. John Graham was the nominating committee chair. And then Sue Brown, Sandy Fritt, Mark Nakadopoulos, Roger Wrights, Mike Daniels, and Tracy DeBryan were the other board members. And it was a great board, and, and uh, we couldn't have done it without them. The, thank you for bringing those uh, into the conversation today. I think that's... Uh, a good tribute in our test of time as we're capturing here. So thank you. Thank you for joining us for Philanthropy Today, an inside look at the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation. You can always learn more about the GMCF at our website, mcfks.org. We also invite you to subscribe to Philanthropy Today on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Dave Lewis. I'm proud to host Philanthropy Today. It's hosted and produced in the Ad Astra Cast Studios in downtown Manhattan, Kansas.